Really great. What an exciting day. A uh, bit of a name change. Still the same heart, still the same people. And uh, we've had a great history, 35 years as a church. Uh, but God is leading us into a bit of a new season. And uh, name changes have been a bit of a feature in my own household um, this year. So my third born child, Jedediah, uh, decided to change his name to Launce at the start of the year. When he was four years old, he came to us and said, Mum and Dad, I'm going to start being called Launce now. Launce? Where did you get that name from? Is that short for something or something? He said, yeah, it's short for Launceston. <laughs> and now I just want you to call me Launce. I'm like, oh my goodness. It was, it was pretty cute. It was pretty cute. So is, is, is there a surname for this? He's like, yeah, yeah, Launceston Bumshoot. Like, mate, we named you Jedediah Caleb Nichols, launched and bum shoot, and it was cute for a while. Then it got concerning as he started kinder, because he said, I'm going to tell my teachers my name's Launce when I go to kinder, threatening us with this name change that he's come up with. Like, we named you for a reason, a godly name at birth to, for your destiny, and then now you're going to be launched and bum shoot at kinder? Like, oh my goodness, you know, dealing with a kid. Oh. You know, it didn't stop there because um, my daughter's kind of changed my name this year. You might have this problem if you've got older children. They changed my name to Bro. <laughs> or Bra. It's kind of like, hey, can you clean up your bedroom? I've told you three times. Bra. <laughs> Why won't you hug me in public? Bro. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not your bro or your bra. I'm your dad. Change my name to bra, or oh, bro. It's usually, I don't know, I'm trying to pick up this younger generation and uh, how they talk, but bro seems to be when they don't agree with something. So we did have a great day yesterday day at a wedding and it's, it's always amazing because uh, often a woman will take on the name of her husband and that's a special ritual and part uh, of our culture when somebody gets married that they take on a new name and you know we know that businesses rebrand and there's, there's names that changes and uh, even as a Christian if you've come to know Jesus um, we're, we're, your name changes, your identity changes as you meet uh, Jesus Christ, you go from a non-believer to a believer so to speak, uh, you go for someone, from someone who serves something else to someone who serves Jesus and there's a transition uh, there that goes on so when, when uh, I got married to Zoe uh, I almost became Nichols Hornsby. She's a very, she's a very strong, independent, educated woman, and uh, we had to sort this out in our courtship. Is it going? Are you going to take my name, or I'm going to hyphenate my name and be this under this superpower woman? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Getting some concerned faces out there. She beautifully uh, set aside Hornsby and became uh, became a Nichols. So. If you know the Bible well, the Bible uh, has many name changes in it. It's not something that's uh, just a fashionable thing we thought we would do. Uh, God has given us a new name for a new season as a church. And he does this many times uh, throughout the Bible, if you're familiar with it. Uh, Abram changes to Abraham uh, right at the beginning of the Bible in the Genesis story. And if you were here earlier in the year, we spoke a lot about Abraham. Uh, his grandson was called Jacob. And Jacob means deceiver, swindler. But God changed his name to Israel. And Israel's a great name. It means wrestles with God. And doesn't that depict faith and, and the spiritual journey that people go on so well? You've got to wrestle things through with God. And that was the name of the whole Israelite uh, nation. We get into the New Testament and Jesus calls one of his disciples, Peter. Change his name from Simon to Peter. Peter. 
or in the Greek it's Petros, which means rock. And that new name is a new identity. Someone's happy about the new name. Why aren't more of you cheering like that? Come on. And it's a new identity. It signifies a new season as Jesus says, no, you'll no longer be Simon. I've got a new identity, a new name, a new season for you. Peter, Petros, rock. It's going to be a strength in you like never before. And probably the most, one of the most famous name changes is Saul to Paul. Saul is known early in the book of Acts as a killer of Christians. Literally a guy that loves God so much and is so devoted to the thing of God that he goes around killing these new followers of the way. And he's Saul, the guy who kills Christians, but he meets God on the Damascus road and his life is totally transformed and he becomes Paul, one of the greatest leaders of the early church and one that us, even as Westerners here in Australia, owe so much to because he laid the foundation to many, many things that Jesus taught. He was the one that said, you know, men and women are equal. Jesus said that. We need to live by that. He was the one that said, hey, there's neither slaves nor free people. We're all equal under God. Saul said that based on the teachings of Jesus. And I'm going to talk more about him next week if you come back. So there's a little uh, plug for next week. But today, Southern Lights Church ends and Discover Church begins. And, you know, things do end and begin. And we actually sang about that this morning. And, you know, we're all here for different reasons. Some of you are here to just have a look. Some of you haven't been to church for a while and you thought this might be a good day to come back. Some of you have been here for ages. You know, you're part of the furniture. Not as old as 100 years old, Jenny, Jenny Rowe, but uh, <laughs> you've been here a while. And it can be a day of mixed emotions when things change and transition. And transitions are hard. I mean, what's in a name? Not very much. But there's actually a lot, if you think about it, that's attached to a name, an identity, a season. There's a lot. And that can be happy for some, joyous for some, exciting for some. Maybe you just joined our church this year and you're like, man, I love this place. And you're probably in the honeymoon period. But uh, once you get to know me, then you'll have to work through some challenges. And then you might stick around, but we'll see what happens. And you, it's that newness, which is interesting. It's a new thing. Some of you have been here for ages. Some of you might feel suspicious today. What's Caleb got to sell us? What's all going on here? You know, you're, you're pulling that inner Aussie is, is coming out of you. Like, mm, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I'm going to check in with this later on. We'll see where it, all, where it all ends up. And that's fine. Change can be difficult. Everyone's going to go at their different pace. But we really felt God tell us to change the name of the church. Interestingly, right in this building, right here, back in October 2019, we had 40 nights of prayer, if you can believe that, if you can believe that. It's hard to get anyone out for one night post-COVID. We had 40 in a row and people came and they weren't sick and they were happy to be out of their houses for 40 nights in a row. It was an incredible time. It was actually a real move of God. It was amazing. And many people that are still here now for 40 nights or 38 nights, I think I was there for about 37 of them, prayed every night. And we prayed based on this little word that we had felt from God, this little direction from God. He had said to us, just give the church back to me. Just make sure that I'm in control. And of course, as good Christians, we went, yep, yes, Lord, Two bag, three bags full, Lord, yep, we'll do what you say. We'll make sure that you're in control. Of course, we don't want to be in control. We're just humans and you're God. And it's not our church. God builds the church. Yeah, no problems. It's yours, Lord God. But then God did something really weird. 
something we didn't expect. He answered our prayer. Don't you hate it when that happens? You pray all this stuff, grow me, Lord, change me, Lord. Mate. And then he answers your prayers and you realise, oh, change comes through pain. Oh, growth can be difficult sometimes. Oh, that's right, when I go to the gym because I want to get fit, it's actually really hard. Yeah, that's a spiritual journey as well. Like, growth doesn't come easily. Christianity is not about just going and getting an education. Oh, it was nice to learn that stuff. No, it's about God shaping and forming and doing things in the depths of your heart and your soul when he finds dark spots that you didn't even know about and he finds weak spots that you didn't even know were weak spots and all the lies you've told yourself and all the stories you've made up about how fantastic you are or how perfect the church is or how this is a glorious time. God just shines a little light on everything and he helps you out. He helps you to grow. That's what happened to us as a church. We went through a difficult separation from the network we'd been involved in and helped pioneer and form. We went through COVID, which we thought was just going to be this little interruption, a couple of lockdowns, we'll get back to it. But it wasn't an interruption, was it? It was a complete disruption of everybody's life, everybody's business, everybody's family, everybody's church. You know, a lot of people forget every church has gone through the same thing. Every church, especially in Victoria, is on the other side of that, dealing with the fact that 50%, this is the statistics, 50% of people that were going to church in 2019 are not going to church now. It's a dramatic change, dramatic change that every church is going through all across the Western world, Europe, America, Australia, New Zealand. It's a really challenging time for faith and for churches. And this was our bit of a dark night of the soul. And in that time when we were confronted uh, with all of these things, God said to us, change the name. Go, I'm going to take you into a new season. So it's probably about 18 months ago that we felt, yeah, we're going to change the name, but we've had to wait for God's timing. And God explicitly said to me, don't be the big authority pastor guy, Caleb, and just come out with a name and preach it and cast that vision and get everyone to subscribe to it. He clearly said to me, it's got to be done as a team and as a community. So we took about 25 of our core leaders this year and we just began talking, what is God doing? What is God saying? And interestingly, we just had it open, we had it really open and interestingly, God led us first and foremost earlier this year more to healing. Let's just rest and go slow and just heal. Just heal a bit from the last few years. That wasn't really my style. <laughs> that wasn't really our style. But uh, some new things we've been learning, just to slow down and to be with God. And sometimes you've got to heal. Sometimes it's not all mountaintops. But then out of that, we began to talk about a new name and we had a short list of about 20 names on there. You know, the funny thing is, I don't even know who said Discover Church. It just ended up on a list of 20 names, 20 possible church names. And then all of a sudden, maybe by the hand of God, it just kind of floated to the surface and everyone started to say, oh, that name there. It just seems to make sense. Maybe that's what God is saying. So you're all here today to hear, well, what is in that name, Caleb? What's going on with that name? Why Discover Church? What does the future look like? We live in a world where organisations and leaders of those organisations are expected to convince everybody with great and inspiring vision. So I feel a lot of pressure this morning. Can you take it easy on me? <laughs> And it's hard, isn't it? Because you sit there and I sat there a week. What do I say, Lord God? Do I go inspirational? 
So everyone just subscribes. You know, we live in this social media world. I want everyone to like, subscribe, follow. That would be fantastic. We live in a world of waiting for politicians in suspicion of what's the new policy, what's the new way forward, will I vote there or not? Will Caleb say what I want him to say? Will the church be what I would love it to be? Will it sing how I want? Will it preach how I want? Will it do the ministries I want? We all have different expectations. But very cleverly this morning, well, you tell me at the end of the sermon, okay? You can all come give me a rating at the end. Hopefully this is clever. I just want to sidestep a little bit of that today. I don't want to come and pump up a huge vision. I don't want to make a whole lot of emotion happen. I don't want to come and convince you to come with us to the future. We'll do a little bit of that in the weeks to come. I want to do a whole series on Discover Church and what it looks like. So we'll do that in the weeks to come. I just want to simply tell you today that Discover Church's primary focus will really be just to love God and to love people. Really, that's what any healthy local church should be doing. It should have two simple focuses. It should just love God and it should love people. Now, when I talk about love, it can be difficult. I'm not the lovey-dovey, touchy-feely type, although maybe my wife would say differently, but maybe more touchy with her than the average person. But I'm not the most lovey-dovey, touchy-feely person. I don't mean love in like the hippie, Beatles, all we need is love sense, okay? I don't mean that. Let's just get rid of all the rules and just love. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. And I don't mean love in the sense that let's just compromise all the truth and sugarcoat everything and all the uncomfortable bits in the Bible that set them to the side and just love each other. I don't mean that. And I don't mean love in the noun sense of the word, as in there's a concept of love and it's all a little bit ambiguous, something about being nice and kinder and trying harder and just be better people kind of by making, I don't know, some things up. I don't mean that at all. I mean the God type of love. I mean the love that humans didn't make that but comes from heaven and down to earth. I mean that kind of love. There's a broad consensus within the Christian tradition and belief system, all the contemplatives and mystics of the last 2,000 years, the church fathers, the great revivalists of the last two, 300 years, the modern day prayer warriors and mega churches and whatever, across the Christian tradition, there's a broad consensus that love is the end of the Christian journey. That for a person that follows Jesus to really mature and grow up in their faith, they will come to a place where they are transformed by love. John, who called himself Jesus' beloved disciple in the first century, said that anybody who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. St. Benedict, 500 years later, a 5th century monk, came up with this ladder of humility that has eight different rungs on the ladder. It's kind of a, a, a spiritual formation ladder. And it starts with fearing God and then doing God's will. And then the ladder of humility grows into dealing with others when people are difficult, learning to be honest, learning to speak less, learning to serve, learning to know God. And the eighth rung on the ladder is to be transformed into love that you would truly become like God as you follow God because God is love. 
More recently in the book called The Critical Journey, which has been really impacting our church a lot this year, it talks about different stages of journeying and spiritual formation. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus or you're just checking out all the Christian stuff, we see our faith as a journey. We don't see it as a bunch of things that we intellectually understand. It's more than that. We don't see it as a bunch of rules that we're meant to follow. No, we see the Christian journey as a way of walking with God, starting from baby steps. And it's like we have this baby, innocent little faith, but it grows into something that's more mature. It goes from something shallow to something deep. It maybe starts in our heads, it ends up in our heart. Sometimes it starts in our heart with an incredible Damascus Road experience with God, but then it has to also be rationalised and come into our heads and be something that makes sense. But in this journey, they talk about all these different stages. And again, stage six is to be transformed into love. A theologian that I've studied a bit the last couple of years named Christopher Morse, he summarises the Christian doctrine of God. What is God? Who is God? I mean, no one can really know, but his hypothesis is that God is a being that is one with another in a unity of the spirit that is the dominion of love. So God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three distinct people, but they come together in a unity of the spirit, like a mini community, what we call the Godhead But what is that community? Is it a community of power? Is it a community of divine stuff? Is it a community of, I don't know, what is it? Morse says that it's a community of love, that his dominion is love. And you think of an authority that does not have love, whether it's a God or whether it's a human authority, where there's no love, there's totalitarianism, there's oppression, there's abuse of power. But God, who has the most power in all the universe, calls himself a dominion of love. So his domain, his presence, the very community of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit is one first of love. And that restrains oppression, restrains abuse. God is in control, but he doesn't want to control you. He's not controlling unless you opt in and say, God, take over my life. But how did we get here from this dominion of love? Okay, if God is love, how did that get down here onto the earth? Because I'm pretty sure that most of us would agree, even if you're not a Christian, that love is really important. That love is an important element of human relationships, family, culture, politics, education, anything. But how did this love that we talk about as Christians, God is love, get down here on the earth? Because surely it wasn't we evolved from apes, therefore love one another. For me, that jump is too big. (laughs) How did love and the concept of love that probably every human being, Christian or not, agrees with? How did it get down here? Well, I believe it came from Jesus of Nazareth, probably the most controversial figure in human history. Some claim Jesus is just made up. Some claim Jesus was just a good rabbi, Jewish teacher. As a Christian, we say that he was the son of God. That's what we believe. And he introduces love when he's asked, when he's pressed, if you like, what is the most important thing about life? 
If there was anything that a human being should do or could do, what should we focus on? And Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And then he goes on to say, this is the first and greatest commandment. He goes on to say, the secondly is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So essentially, Jesus says all of the Old Testament, that's the Hebrew Bible, the first part of the Bible about the Jews, all of that, all their prophets, all their laws, everything is summed up simply by love God, love people. Across my desk this week came a uh, new research done by Barna, which is a big American research organisation, and they've just finished a huge project studying the responses of 25,000 teenagers across 25 countries of the world and what they think about Christianity. So not necessarily Christian kids, but just 13 to 17-year-olds, and what do they think? Interestingly, 50% of the world's teenagers believe that Jesus is loving. 46% of the world's teenagers believe that Jesus gives hope. And 44% of the world's teenagers says Jesus cares. So even in our modern society, with all of our evolutionary teaching and all of our so-called atheism and all of our distractions of culture and consumerism and rushing around, the next generation is growing up with a pretty healthy understanding of who Jesus is. And when Jesus says to us, love God and love people, he places a command on our life. It's why it's called the greatest commandment. He places something on the life of people, humanity. He places some guidance, a map, if you like, of how you might live your life. He really simplifies it. But when Jesus talks about love, he's not talking about that that love I mentioned before that's just a noun, that's just a, an idea or a concept. The Greek word that we think of there is agape. You may have heard that word before. That's the noun of love. But Jesus doesn't say that. He actually uses the verb version of the word, agapeo, which is more like loving God, loving people. It's an active word. It's a word that it creates some movement. It creates something to do. That's part of the reason for your first time at church this morning. part of the reason we sing songs at the beginning. Not because we love God as a concept, but because we want to be loving God together through singing, through instruments, through coming to church, through coffeeing after, through chatting together, through listening to the Bible as I share about it. All of this is an active loving of God. The first part, loving God, is really a response to God. That's what Jesus kind of puts on us and says, hey, if you really want to live right, love God. Be a person that's loving of God. And for Discover Church, this is what we want our church to be, that this church is actually a response, first and foremost, to God's love because he loved us first. This very famous scripture, John chapter 3, verse 16, for this is how God loved the world first. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son, this is talking about Jesus, into the world, not to judge the world. So if you think Christians are judgmental, well, that's not a good reflection of God because God came not to judge and not to condemn, but to save. That was his first 
and top priority. But as a church, we also want to be a church that loves God in every way. With our mind, we want to love God. We want to think through the things of God. We want to think through the challenges of life. But we also want to love God with all of our heart and our soul, our emotions. We want to express our love. We don't want it just to be a mental, cerebral thing, an understanding thing, but we also want it to be a heart thing that oozes out of us. Both are important. But then we also want to love God with our strength, with our service, with our doing, with our hands, through practical means, making meals for each other. Lots of people in our church go around to different houses during the week for for small groups. They get in their car, they drive there. That's using your strength. That's putting things into action because you want to love God and you want to love people. But really, as a church, everything about loving God boils down to this one simple fact. And that is that Discover Church is going to be a church that follows Jesus. Because Jesus demonstrated for us and modelled for us how to love God. How do you do it? Jesus lived his life and showed us how to do it. Jesus, this is quoting Jesus here. When you obey my commandments, Jesus said, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Following Jesus, listening to him, being like him, growing up to be like him, that's how we love God. Now let's look at the other side. We've got loving God, now we've got loving people. This is the one that finds us all out. This is the one that I'm challenged by the most. Because loving God can be easy in the sense that you can exaggerate how much you love God. You can talk about your prayer life that nobody ever sees and say how fantastic it is. And that's great. That's great. But the love people one is the scoreboard. The love people one is the evidence of your loving relationship with God. If you say you love God with all your heart and you have this phenomenal prayer life and God speaks to you all the time, but then you're always angry. You're always judgmental. You're always gossiping. That creates a question mark. How much do you know him? Because those that know God, know love. Those that know love, know God. This is the one that finds us out. And I'm sorry if this is a bit uncomfortable, but this is what it means to follow Jesus. It means that the evidence of your love as you follow him is going to be how you love people. Pete Scazzaro says that loving well is the goal of the Christian life. This is easier in our dreams than in practice. In Dostoevsky's famous novel, The Brothers Karamazov, a wealthy woman asks an elderly monk how she can know if God exists. He tells her no explanation or argument can achieve this, only the practice of active love. She then confesses this wealthy woman that sometimes she dreams about loving people. She dreams about maybe detaching from all her wealth and becoming a a sister, just just a nun that serves people and serves people soup and loves people uh, in the community, gives her life in the humblest way to the poor and the marginalised. Isn't this all of us? Deep in our hearts, we know the most important thing is people. Deep in our hearts, if we really wanted to do something great with our life, we know that it would mean humbling ourselves and sacrificially serving others. It's a great challenge. But then it crosses her mind how ungrateful people would be. That she might serve them soup, but then they would complain, these poor people, about how cold the soup was. Or why is there no croutons in my soup? Or where's the garlic bread with my soup? And then she begins to realise that this ingratitude, 
this pain of serving others, this sacrifice of loving others and handing over all my wealth would be too much. And all of a sudden, her understanding of God reverts back to confusion, wondering if there really is a God. Her dream of serving people vanishes. And to this, the wise monk responds, love in practice is a harsh and dreadful thing compared to love in our dreams. This is the great challenge that I think Discover Church is seeking to wrestle with, that we would be committed to the reality of love, not to the dream of love. Committed to the verb of loving God and people, not just committed to the noun and the nice idea of love. Discover Church knows, and I think we're going to work it out as we go along, that to be a loving church means we're going to be a messy church. Because with great love and unconditional love comes a whole bunch of mess. People's problems, people's difficulties, people's complaints. You might get shoved together with people that you wouldn't usually be friends with. You might be worshipping next to someone or serving in the band or serving coffees with people that you might not necessarily get on with. You're going to go through ups and downs if you're involved in a church and you do the journey over the years. It's messy. Some days are perfect. Lots of days are imperfect. But to do the journey is what it's all about. To be a loving church is to be a messy church. Discover Church, I believe, will be something where we don't avoid the fact that to be a community of love is to be a community that shines the light of Jesus to Frankston and Casey and everything around us. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. Love each other. Why? So that your love for each other will prove to the world that Jesus is the Son of God. This again is a tough reality, but I want to wrestle through this as a church, that we would have a community of love in this place that shines the light of who Jesus really is. I don't want to be a church that waters it down. I don't want to be a church that contaminates the truth of God, but that is going to be a great challenge moving forward. And then Jesus says in Matthew 20, verse 25, you know that the rulers of this world, they tend to lord it over people. The rulers of this world tend to lord it over. They tend to take their authority or their position or their influence and they tend to stuff it up. They tend to oppress. They tend to become corrupt. And Jesus looks at his disciples and said, not so with you. We're going to do things differently. And I hope as a church that together we can do things differently as Discover Church. He says, whoever wants to be a leader should be the servant. And whoever wants to be first should be a slave. And then he even said about himself that the son of man, I, I came down from heaven as God and I didn't even come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. This is another great challenge for us as a church, that we would be a church that's willing to give our lives, give our time, give our resources so that other people can be served. How do I explain love? How did God explain love? How does the Bible explain love? Well, in a very simple way. It's the cross. It's the cross that best explained what love is. It's in our logo because we want the centre of Discover Church 
to be the greatest sacrifice the world has ever seen, the greatest act of love the world has ever seen. Before Jesus went to the cross and died for all humanity, he said, love each other in the same way that I have loved you because there is no greater love than this than a person lay down their life for their friends. And then Jesus went and did that. But he did it not just for his friends. He did it for his enemies. He did it for those who didn't understand. He did it for those who doubted. He did it for those back in the first century. He did it for those now living in the 21st century. The way that Jesus ultimately loved was not by becoming the leader, by becoming a military power, by becoming a political influencer, by becoming an Instagram influencer. Jesus influenced the world in the greatest way possible by sacrificing everything that he had and laying down his life. This is not an easy teaching. This is not an easy thing to model as a church. It will take us until we're all gone and dead and in the grave to maybe even get close to this, but we're gonna try with all our hearts. We're gonna love God with everything as a church, all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And we're gonna do everything we can to position ourselves around the cross, around the gospel of Jesus Christ and love people with everything that we've got. Yes, Discover Church is a, it's a Pentecostal church. We believe in miracles. We believe that God raises the dead. We believe in healing and prophecy and all of these things are powerful. But love must not be compromised. Yes, we're a kingdom-minded church. We believe in kingdom businesses. We believe in influencing culture. We believe in get involved in education, get involved in politics. Like get out there into the world and do things. But love and grace and mercy and kindness and patience and all of these godly attributes must be at the centre. Yes, we're a church full of humans. There's going to be sin in this church. There's going to be bad days and good days. There's going to be people you like and people you find difficult. But love must always trump all and win all. Yes, we're going to be a community-minded church. We believe in acts of justice. We believe in the marginalised and the poor and getting out into the streets, sharing the gospel through practical ways, sharing the gospel through evangelism and bringing people to Jesus. But love must be at the centre. Yes, we're a church that believes in prayer and deep prayer and deep discipleship and training people and discipling people and worshipping hard and breakthrough worship and finding God and seeing the presence of God fill this place. We believe in that, we want that. But those things must never take the place of the cross, of love, of the truth of Jesus Christ at the centre of our church. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for the future. We don't know what it holds, Lord God. I've thrown some scriptures, some things from the Bible out there this morning, Lord God, because that's the safest way to move forward is to share your word, to declare the truth and then trust that you will work in our hearts to make it happen, Lord God. Lord, again, every Sunday, every day, we continue to make sure that you are in control of our church. We always want to be a church that's giving it back to you so that you can build your church and you can have, that your will would happen through us as a community, Lord God. We love you with all of our hearts. Thank you for the simplicity of your word to love God and to love people. Amen. I'm just going to invite Tim up this morning. And uh, Tim has uh, been with us a little bit on the journey the last few years. He's been a great support um, to our eldership and uh, has, has been with us at different times and different meetings, and uh, we really appreciate that, Tim. And I just said to Tim, look, if you're coming along, we invite him along, and uh, maybe you could share a few words of encouragement for a moment. That would be great. 
Absolutely. It's a privilege to be here with the launch of the new name. I really uh, have been uh, touched by the message, uh, touched by Zoe and Caleb's leadership. I uh, have been touched because we do get sidetracked so quickly, don't we? There are Christians I know who want to fight the culture wars, and I go, how do you win a culture war? (laughs) Who want to be militant and out there, and I understand the heart, but I go... You know, at the end of the day, God didn't say fight the culture wars. (laughs) Impose our values, seize power, write the legislation. What God said was, Jesus said, love me with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. Full stop. That's where it ends. When you read scripture, and uh, I've been a bit of a witness to your journey, there are two things that hit you. Firstly is the extraordinary high bar for being the people of God, a holy temple, one body, unified. It's an extraordinary vision. But the same scriptures are full of brokenness and pain. Paul and Barnabas have a big fight and split up. Paul and Peter have a big Barney and fight. In the Corinthian church, the factions, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Peter, And they're fighting. Scripture has this wonderful picture and also this reality of brokenness and pain and struggle and conflict and hurt. Well, I am a witness to some of what has been your journey. And at times there has been in the past struggle and hurt, confusion and... Sometimes people want to move on too quickly, deny it, repress it, draw a line in the sand. At times you've got to sit with it and name it and pray and recognise that this isn't just you. This is actually every church. Every church that I know has gone through these times. And it's the New Testament church. It's not as if somehow they had it right and if we only just got back there, we'd all have it right. This is... Part of this reality of being people of God. Well, as a witness to that, I think this day is a day for an extraordinary, not just drawing a line in the sand, but a new beginning. You know, Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah more than any other uh, Old Testament prophet or scriptures. And let me just pull out... This from Isaiah 42. The prophet says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I'll give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. This, I think, is the right word for today. This is not denying that there's been some struggles, but saying God is doing a new thing here, represented in a new name, not dwelling on the past, drawing a line and seeing what is new that God is doing amongst you. And I'm very excited for Discover Church. I love that message of love God 
It is, and love your neighbour, it is very circular, isn't it, when you think about it? Very circular because uh, often when we're loving our neighbour, we are loving God. When we approach another human, we are approaching something of the image of God. Have you ever thought about that? When we're loving another human, we are loving the image of God in them. It's very circular because God is love. So when we're loving God, we're only able to do that because God is love. It's this rebounding circle. I was really struck that this week um, the actor Will Shatner has talked about his trip into outer space. Did any of you see this? He was Captain Kirk in Star Trek. At 91, he's the oldest person who's gone into outer space. And he talked about the vicious coldness of uh, the vicious coldness of space. When he touched the ground, Shatner wept. He wasn't sure why. Everyone else on the trip was shaking bottles of champagne and saying we did it and celebrating. Shatner wept. And he said, up there, it was cold, dark, black emptiness with the warm nurture of earth below. I discovered that the beauty isn't out there. It's down here with all of us. Here on this tiny planet, he wrote, it's made my connection to this warm place on earth even greater. For God so loved the world. Coldness, viciousness out there. Here, warmth, nurture, love of one another because God is love. Well, let me just finish by saying, as God does new things represented in this new name, uh, Discover Church, I will be an ongoing witness to what God is now doing amongst you. And it's going to be new, focused on love. If I can finish by saying, I love the song, Great is Our, our Great is Our God. Worship is one of the ways we actually love God. Humans are made for worship. They'll worship sex or their car or their house or their career. We're wired to worship. God is the only one worthy of worship. That's why getting it back into perspective and loving God through our worship as this church does so beautifully in our experience this morning is one of those important expressions of loving God. Thanks, Caleb. Thank you, Tim. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Just as we finish this morning, if I can just invite our uh, church eldership just to come forward. We thought it'd be great just to um, maybe a couple of them to pray as we just finish today and as we launch into a new season. Uh, it's really exciting. And then we'll get into the, uh, all the fun stuff with our kids. So let's kick off. Yeah. Okay. Good morning. Um, let me lead us to start off with in prayer. I just would like to start by sharing a scripture um, from Psalm 132 this morning. Um, forgive my emotion. <laughs> for the Lord has chosen us. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, 
This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation and her faithful people will ever sing for joy. And I just really believe that the Lord is saying that to us this morning. Thank you, Father God, that um, you will be here. You are with us and we will be your dwelling place. Let our hearts remain humble and open that you may always dwell amongst us and make your home here in this place. And as you do, Father God, and as you have, let us be filled with your love and love you and love others as best as we possibly can. Thank you that we're in this journey, but we're not in it alone. You are with us every step of the way. Hello, we just uh, declare this is a new day. As uh, uh, Reverend Tim said before, Lord, uh, just the scripture that um, God gave me was um, uh, just in um, 2 Corinthians 2, and it says, uh, uh, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. Then it goes on in in verse 16, it says, uh, um, an aroma that brings life. Lord, let us be a people that are a people of uh, your life, Lord, of aroma of life, Lord, that uh, we declare that we would have that, that love would just permeate so powerfully, Lord, that it would just be like a sweet aroma, that people would just go, wow, there's something very special. There's something very special in this place. There's something special in those people, Lord, and we just declare that this is the day of new beginnings. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in it, Lord, and we just thank you for that, and we declare that this is the beginning of something very special, that this is your church, Lord, your church, and we again just give it afresh to you and declare that it's your church. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that this is not a cosmetic change. Lord, this is a change in nature. Lord, a reflection of a change in character and direction in how we operate and function as a church. Lord, we thank you for your guidance this far. And Lord, we rejoice in your guidance going forward and trust you to guide us for every step in the path that you are leading us. Thank you. Amen. Why don't we just all stand uh, this morning. Just close your eyes uh, as you just stand with the eldership. And Lord, I just thank you for the congregation that's here, Lord God, and those that weren't able to be with us this morning, Lord, those that are watching online with us, Lord, or listening during the week. We just thank you, Father God, for that you have spoken and we're doing our best to obey and to follow, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We just take rest in that Lord God we just take confidence in that you're here and that you have a plan Lord God we thank you Lord God this rebranding Lord God Lord you'll do what you need to do Lord God in our hearts as a church in our life as a church Lord God but Father we want much more than that Lord we want to see you move well beyond our church Lord God even as we disperse right now Lord God we go out carrying your message we go out with the great command to love our neighbour and to bring the message of Jesus, which is a message of hope, message of love, message of grace, a message that God, the God of the universe is thinking of you. 
And we disperse, Lord God, into our various families and workplaces and and neighbourhoods, Lord God, to share that message, Lord God. Use us, Lord God, to do a great work in Frankston and Casey and beyond. In your mighty name. Amen.